Views expressed by Casters Guild members are only the opinions of that member, and that could change from day to day. Guild members may use mature language, but that in no way means they are mature. Listener discretion is advised. Elves and dwarves, wizards and rangers, Tolkien began high fantasy as we know it. Why are we so drawn to the worlds inspired by his creation? That's the spell we're casting tonight on Casters Guild. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Casters Guild. I am Rick Perry and your Guildmaster the White. And I am Baron Kane, your Man of the West. And joining us for the first time as a new Guild member, feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Mary, Hobbit of the Shire. That's right, people. We got an actual Hobbit on the podcast. I don't <laughs> want to hear about how your Lord of the Rings podcast is better than our Lord of the Rings podcast, because we got a Hobbit. <laughs> so all right, let's go ahead and start with a question we usually start with, and what's your favorite? Um, let's go with what's your favorite book and what's your favorite movie from Lord of the Rings? Same, Return of the King. Absolutely nice. both. Very nice. Uh, well, that was quick. <laughs> I have a that, that, since I first read the books when I was like 10, Return of the King has been my absolute favorite for just one chapter it's chapter five the very end of it with um theoden going in with the rohirrim to the battle of pelinor it's phenomenal that's good well, you even have a favorite chapter that's great <laughs> um, my my favorite book is the hobbit hands down it was the first book i read out of the entire series um it, it hit me at just the right age level it carried with me through adulthood um I, I have found it no less, in fact, more so entertaining as I've read it through the years. Um, but I wouldn't say that the movie is my favorite. Man, I don't know. I think I think it's Return of the King. I think Return of the King is probably my favorite movie. It's just great. It's got everything. It, it's wonderful and, and very emotional. I, I love how they, they, they picked up on that and laid it down. But I will say, I will say, when I watched the Hobbit movie, when they said the words... Those opening words, I cried. Uh, <laughs> good. The two songs job with those. I love the way they were done. The what? The the songs that the dwarfs oh. sing. These are the things that Bilbo hates and um, mm -hmm. Misty Mountain. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I oh, loved yeah. how they were done. I think that's something that the like originals missed. It's like the songs. It's like them bitches sing all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. That like when they're marching to um they're marching to uh they're on the road after they leave the Shire the first time. Mm -hmm. And they're they're singing the one song about leaving home and being on the road that Bilbo wrote. And it's not it's just not there and it's missing. It's like Weird. not yeah. having Tom Bombadil. Yeah. There yeah, there were certain uh creative choices that they made with those movies that were just like, was that the right move? I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't hate the like, movies. I, I love the movies. It's just it just kind of shocked me. Like, really? Yeah, there was a couple of things. It's like, why didn't you have that in there? You kind of need that. Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I guess Tom Bombadil wasn't necessary. Like, no, but he's my favorite character. One of my favorite characters in the book. Yeah, I actually, I actually knew someone named Goldberry, which I thought was really. 
awesome. I'm actually not 100 percent sure she wasn't actually Goldberry. Um, but yeah. was she blonde in a green dress? Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I uh, this is where I'm going to have to reveal that if I were a video game boss, uh, Lord of the Rings would be my giant glowing weak spot in my nerd knowledge. Um, <laughs> so you say this because you have no clue who we were just talking about, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so I haven't read the books since I was in middle school. So like most of my knowledge of those books is just like entirely missing. But The Hobbit specifically did leave quite an impression on me. So I would have to say The Hobbit is my favorite book of the series. And my favorite movie, because when it comes to the modern, modern, quote unquote, Lord of the Rings movies, I don't think I've finished a single one of them. So my favorite Lord of the Rings movie is the Rankin-Bass animated Hobbit, because after I watched that movie, I had a little Casio keyboard, and I would do my very best to recreate songs from that movie when I was very young. So... You, you, I would be hard pressed to say that the live action movie is better than the animation. The the Rankin oh, yeah, and the Bass, animated one is amazing. It's got all the songs. It it's you know got the it, the journey on there. They fit it in the one movie. It's just great. It's just great. <laughs> it is Putting very the good. Putting into three films was like why. I've also seen it in three languages. Nice. Because okay. of, I I saw it in English at home. And then when I was in middle school in uh, Michigan, we took a half a semester of French and a half a semester in Ger of German. And both the French teacher and the German teacher showed us that movie in those respective languages. You know, I really think that those movies would really be good in French and German though. They were, they were very good. <laughs> German actually, very appropriate for for that especially mm -hmm. you know, oh that. yeah yeah i mean talking was a philologist that specialized in anglo-saxon studies so german is perfect yep wasn't interesting man like i was actually yeah, yeah. go ahead yeah well like i was saying at the in the intro like it, he's the creator of high fantasy at least as as we know it now i mean like we know what an elf a dwarf uh you know an orc a, a wizard is because of Tolkien, you know, yeah, he, I mean, like before Tolkien elves were uh, fake creatures, you know, things like from other folklore, maybe like, you know, elves mm -hmm. from Santa's workshop and other folklores, but like definitely not what Tolkien envisioned them at. Yeah. Well, no, they were what Tolkien envisioned as for elves was very Norse, very, you know, Valhalla, like the, the Alfar. Which actually Gandalf um, has elf in his name, the Gand Alf. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yep. I hadn't thought about that before. Good point. Yeah, because the, when the elves die, they go to the halls of Mandos to uh, be reborn. Yep. They're very, like in in mythology, elves are very they're they're creatures of light. They're their own uh, race of almost deities. Which, I mean, you look at some of the elves in Lord of the Rings. It's, it's they're pretty close. They, they, you know, essentially live forever. They very powerful and well, they're still not quite as powerful as like the Maiar or the Ainur, like Gandalf. No, 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 no. Which I think is funny because it's like reading the books and watching the movies. It's it's almost like I want to believe that Gandalf. It, okay, 
when they came to Middle Earth, did they lose their memory? Was it? Or did no. They have full knowledge of what they were, like Gandalf and the other wizards. Oh yeah, they knew exactly who they were. They served the Einor. What? He knew exactly who he was. They're so powerful. Why? <laughs> well, like when he, in the in the books when he says he serves the Eternal Flame mm. when he's fighting the Balrog, That's he's true. talking about the Flame Imperishable, which is Eru Iluvatar. He's right. the creator of Arda or Middle Earth. Huh. <laughs> he, 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 you know, he warned you. He said, "Don't take him for some conjurer of cheap tricks." Well, yeah. Well, okay. So, and feel free, Mary, to fill in the gaps. But I'm going. I'm going off of very layman's knowledge with this. The wizards, Rick, are essentially like demigods. They're almost yeah, angels. basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. I, it had always been explained to me as they were basically angels. Yeah. They're not supposed to get involved with the workings of man and elf, but Gandalf does. Right. Quite in depth. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. He started out really subtle. He started out really subtle, but... No. The, the book, The Cimmerillion, he's named oh. Olren, and he is about... constantly involved with them from the very beginning. I was talking about The Hobbit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Because um, in The Hobbit, he really was really subtle. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? He's just like, all right, go. <laughs> <laughs> just push him along a little bit. Just... Right. But, you Slice know, in, in Lord of the Rings, you know, he's, you know, rushing into battle with them all and stuff like that. Oh yeah, definitely. There's a little more sense of urgency to him. I there, there really isn't in Hobbit because they haven't found the ring. Right, right. I will say this: that I saw, I saw they were talking to George R. R. Martin at one point about his thoughts on Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. And one of his, one of his critiques was Gandalf should have stayed dead. I'm like, this motherfucker. Oh wait, no, he's right. He's right. This would have been a much better story if Gandalf would have just stayed dead. In, in Maybe, but then you would have had the issue with the Battle of Helm's Deep that wouldn't be resolved because the Rohirrim wouldn't have gotten there in time. In terms of like a storytelling, not necessarily a timeline. We take this out of the time. True. But from a storytelling yeah. standpoint, it all could have been wrote a little differently. The the emotional investment would have been deeper. And so, as a storyteller, I yell, yeah, totally. But if we're looking at it oh, from, yeah, a, from a storytelling perspective, right? Yeah. If we're in, but if we're looking at it from like a storyline timeline kind of thing, then uh, those eagles should have gotten involved too. Let's just. Oh uh, yeah, but if you think about it, the eagles, even all the way back, are very, very jealous, powerful creatures. They're they would have could have easily taken the ring, and would have just hidden it away and used it for. That's what the eagles do. And also. Um, they, they were talking to uh, Tolkien in like one of his interviews that he did and stuff like that, and uh, he apparently very annoyed by that question about the eagles, by the way. But he essentially said the eagles don't get involved because it wouldn't make for a good story. I was like, oh, oh, what good is it to pick someone up and drop them off somewhere else? <laughs> right, right. pages of story. It's but worthless. I, I think it's funny all this debate all through these years that us super nerds are like getting into about these damn eagles and then Tolkien's <laughs> like, uh, I didn't do it because it wouldn't be a good story. Oh. <laughs> well, he does they have reason, like they save 
Frodo and Sam at some point. Yeah. Actually, they, they do it multiple times with different characters throughout the books. Mm-hmm. They swoop in and save everything. Oh, I mean, thing. look at the Hobbit. Look at the Hobbit. They were literally one of the armies, for fuck's sake. <laughs> they got directly involved. The Hobbit. Yeah, they do in um, Cimmerillion, too, during the Battle of the Valar. Can we can we agree that the big thing that Lord did not bring up Cimmerillion? <laughs> no, we're going to bring it up because you're educate you're going to educate us on this. In fact, actually, it's going to be a five hour podcast because you're going to give a full rundown of the entire thing along with, <laughs> along with like family trees and who begat who and yeah, we're we're getting into this. We're, you're going to explain the three strands of hair. It's it's that's it. It's, we're getting into this. But can we agree that one of the big things that we're missing, talking animals, like we had it in The Hobbit, and then they didn't have any in Lord of the Rings, and I don't think they had them in any of the movies. In the books, the eagles talk. The wolf, the wargs talked too. Yes, and they completely <laughs> took that out, which I think took a little bit of that away because having these sentient creatures still fighting with these horrible twisted orcs and they're still just just being destructive because they can <laughs> i did like i did like the creative the creative decision to make war look like hyenas they were certainly interesting looking it was a choice it was definitely a choice <laughs> yeah but I, like, but I like hyenas so that, that was cool um well honestly it was a good choice because hyenas can be extremely vicious so hey it would have been i think it would have been better to have them look more like the wolves are supposed to be but then people would have been like oh they're so cute yeah that's true that that said i also don't think that they should have made they shouldn't have made the defiler as smoking hot as they did that was unnecessary Um, (laughs) uh yes as a i mean and also a choice giving him the name the defiler uh, yeah. Fan fiction has been written. Oh yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think I, I have to go bleach my brain now. <laughs> he is he is awfully bleached, I'm just saying. Oh god. Welcome to Caster's Guild, Mary. <laughs> oh, I've dealt with worse. We hope you enjoy your stay as a membership of our guild. I've had worse. Than the defiler? I mean. <laughs> I, mean <impressive. laughs> I realized what I said after I said it. Me like... too. <laughs> Good time. Good time. All right. So, like Baron was just saying, our knowledge of the Cimmerillion is next to nothing. So, <laughs> what. What's your favorite story from the Cimmerillion? The Ina Lindelay, the opening chapter, the music oh, yeah. of the Ainur. It's some of his most beautiful work. It really is. Just the way it's written is stunning with creating the music. And it's neat because it's one of the things he has in common with C.S. Lewis. Both of their creator characters sing their world into existence. That is a really good... That, and that's that's actually another thing that let's just say like um I've seen that trope happen 
a few times. I think I've even heard of it in D&D a couple of times, too. A couple of planes of existence, I think, have, have been sung into existence. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful... Well, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were good friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I, then uh, Gary Gygax was just a huge fanboy. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you, you know, in the in the inception of role playing games and stuff like that, and you want to do something fantasy, what the hell do you what do you got to work with? Yeah, you you got you got folklore, you got mythology, and you have this world that's already set up with distinct races that you can play as. Let's just tweak this a little bit to make it legally distinct. Which, Change which, Hobbit to Halfling. I think it's funny because they got sued for using the word hobbit, switched to halfling, but they called them halflings too. Mm -hmm. But it's because of the book, The Hobbit. Yeah, because The Hobbit is a title of a book. It's not just mentioned. Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, if he called it The Halfling, then they'd have been sued for that too. (laughs) Well, honestly, Narnia is basically the Fey Realm, so... Except way less scary. And if you consider the fact that D and D is basically based <laughs> upon Lord of the Rings, I don't. And then <laughs> every single oh, yeah. major RPG to come out after that is basically based off of Dungeons and Dragons. It's yep. without yeah. Lord of the Rings, like mm-hmm. there, there's no RPG gaming. Be it, well, maybe eventually, but definitely not as we know yeah. it. Oh, no, no, it wouldn't be anywhere. No, not to the depth it is. No, not at all. No, it's so, it, Lord of the Rings has had a huge, huge impact on definitely nerd culture, but also like, uh, writing and novels and just storytelling in general. Oh, yeah. Tolkien is an amazing storyteller. I need to get my hands on some of those sequels that he did, too. Oh, like the... The Lost Tales and yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, the ones that Christopher Tolkien published. Yeah, yeah. They're really, they're really good. They go, they're a little bit more, mostly the history of Middle Earth. Like, oh, okay. Well, it cool. takes the stories that you see in the Cimmerian and gives you a little bit more story, like Baron and Luthien. It tells the story in Cimmerian, but it goes into a lot more depth in that particular book as to what happens between the two of them. I was telling um, Mary before the start of the podcast that the only reason I knew about Baron and Luthien was because of Ready Player Two. I still need to read that. Oh, yeah. There's there's like a... There's a whole thing where they have to recreate a task that the Baron and Luthien did. And Wade, uh, as you know, you've read the first book, so you know, Wade is never read the Cimmerillion or anything outside of the main books. So... Wade has no idea what to do, and him and H nearly die, and well, uh, Artemis has to swoop in and save save them with her knowledge. Which I think is which I think is funny because just okay. Now, you know what? Fuck it. Tangent. Which I think is funny <laughs> because Ready Player One is like all about the eighties. It's like all about the eighties. So mm-hmm. why would they even know anything about Lord of the Rings? There was like okay. no. Well, the, okay, The Hobbit, but still. Go, oh, is there an explanation? So, you know how in the first book, Halliday's Easter Egg Hunt is all about Halliday? Yes. In the second book, it's all about Kira, Uh, Ogden Morrow's wife. Oh, okay, really? And Kira, as you may know because of Mm. everything you may have read in the first book, no spoilers, 
is a huge Tolkien fan. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm gonna have to read these now. Oh yeah, I'm on it. Oh, they're very good. They're very good, and they're like I said, they're short reads. I think the if you look at the audiobooks, like I think Ready Player Two is like nine hours as read by Will Wheaton, so it, it's it's very short. It, it is they are it is not a perfect book by any means, but it is entertaining. And if especially you are between the ages around me, then it's perfect. It's great. Yeah. Like all the stuff we talk about in that book, it's stuff that I grew up with. So yeah, I loved it. I'm younger than Rick, so 80s stuff is a little not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll still you'll recognize a lot of it. Oh yeah. And, I mean. Even if 80s was, you didn't grow up with the 80s. I mean, like, you still know. There's certain things that transcended the 80s. Things like Back to the Future and oh. Pac-Man. <laughs> you know, these I've these are all things that... So many times. I, I, I will say that the book was definitely... It seemed to be written to cater to men of my age. Yeah. Specifically... There are certain things, I'll admit, are a little problematic about the first book. Like I but, said, men of my age. Yeah. <laughs> But if you can get past that, it's still a very fun book. Yeah, the, we're not the, talking about that book. We're talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Tangent. Anyways, Ready Player One. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you don't stop because I'll find it very hard to stop talking about Ready Player One and Ready, especially when it comes to Lord of the Rings. Because I'll say most of my current Lords of the, Lord of the Ring knowledge probably comes from Ready Player Two because they spend quite a bit of time talking about Lord of the Rings and Ready Player Two. That's true. Well, I, I will go off on a Lord of the Rings tangent. One of my, if not my favorite D and D character ever, was based off of technically two characters from Lord of the Rings. Marion Pippin. I uh, <laughs> specifically, specifically the Marion Pippin who became knights and and grew um, and went back and saved the Shire. Um, oh yeah. I had a I had a halfling paladin, but he was like super strong for his for his race because you know in in D and D specifically I think I was playing a D and D. Um, but they 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 can't get really high strength. But we fudged the rules so that I could have like an 18 double lock strength with a halfling, which is, which is inordinately strong for a halfling. But you know he was a knight and he was looking to save his his village and everything. And all all of it was inspired by you know my two favorite characters in the That is one of the best chapters when they go oh, back and basically clean out the Shire. It's great. It's great. Two giant fucking halflings walking in there. Which um, apparently hold the record for tallest, tallest halflings ever. Which was held by Bullroar Took before. Mm -hmm. And I think they were just an inch taller. <laughs> and they had a cheat. They had a cheat to do it. Bullroar was just naturally big. Also, I think he invented golf. Um, Is that Bullroar? It was Frodo's uncle, who I think might be Bill Roarer, who used a club to smack off the head of the Goblin King, and it went down a hole. Yep. <laughs> Played by Gerard Butler. <laughs> <laughs> that, that. I, I'm telling you, that would be great to see Bill Roarer took as as played by Gerard Butler. I'm in. I'm I'm for it. Oh wait, wait a minute. You know what? We're gonna go off on another tangent to talk about something that is more topical 
and relevant and timely, the Lord of the Rings TV show. There's the Lord of the Rings TV show? Well, I was about I to say. I think it's net Netflix mm. is wanting to do something, but it's not based on any of the existing Legendarium. Okay. See that would that that's what I was going to get into is like what it what is it based off of is it based off of something in the past are they doing some video game bullshit where they just make up their own timeline and or in their own storyline I mean I think it's supposed to be set between the the book The Hobbit when Bilbo gets back and his birthday it's supposed to be set in the in between with like the Rangers and the elves and what goes on with that a little bit more of Aragorn's story I guess. And let's face it, there's a there's a lot of time in between there. <laughs> like what well, he was fifty when he left, and then it was his eleventy first birthday when he disappeared. It was, and then Frodo is gets to be another twenty years older. It's almost eighty years difference between mm -hmm. when Frodo leaves and when Bilbo oh, comes has come back. Oh crap! Yeah, because the start of the book, the um, Lord of the Rings. Frodo is turning 33, which is coming of age for hobbits. Right. And at the when he leaves, he is 50, the same age as Bilbo had been. I fucking love hobbits so much. 33. What an arbitrary number. I fucking love it. Yeah, according to uh, IndieWire, the show is for Amazon. It's being made for Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, and it, it it's events occur before the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. And uh, okay. apparently, the first season cost about four hundred and fifty million to make. That's uh, that's, that's model money right there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll see some more about the Men of Numenor. By comparison, one season of Game of Thrones usually costs about ninety million. But that's what I'm saying. Look up how much it costs to do WandaVision. I'm telling you, it's about the same. I still think that it'd be cool to have a TV show set around the time of Bull Roar. So that we could probably get some stuff going on there with Gerard Butler just throwing it out there with Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was actually you just about to bring it up before you said that there was a little tall to play bull roar. <laughs> <laughs> but so is so is anybody who's ever played a Hobbit forced perspective to hear that. <laughs> true, true. At least you can get a little bit closer with like Tom Cruise. Can we not though? Can we not with Tom? Likewise. <laughs> I mean, yeah, with Highwise, yeah. Fuck it, let's just bring Elijah Wood back, that beautiful little man. Uh, WandaVision's budget for season one was $200 million. Oh! oh wow! I mean, it's still a The first season wow. better rock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially considering I can't think of any big-name talent attached to this project. This is all going to be fucking effects and location. It, you know what? I bet that's what it is. It's a bunch of location shots. It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be. Yeah. The only way to get the same location is to go back to New Zealand. Right. Which, I mean, I guess there's a lot of tax breaks with New Zealand. And, but it's not... Well, that's still a lot of money. I mean, there's just no... Yeah, that's... Yeah, how much was the film done for? Because... I don't think the films, the films might have cost about the same thing, but well, keep in mind too that you know inflation and that was different money. Yeah, yeah, that's good lord. It's been so it's been so long since the movies were made. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I was a teenager. I think uh, Peter Jackson filmed them in his backyard too, so that <laughs> discount from that. Fellowship of the Ring cost ninety three million. Well, you know what? Even with wow. inflation, still yeah, that's wow. 
Yeah, and like to his effect, I'm like I'm look looking this stuff up, and when I looked up the Wandavision one, I saw a bunch of articles where when they announced that Wandavision's budget was going to be two hundred million, they everyone freaked out. They were like, "Why would you spend that much on a show? What are you spending that money on? Like this and that." And nobody really got it until you got to about episode four, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is where the money went." But even still, for them to spend four hundred and fifty million on the first season of the Lord of the Rings show, that's well, pure insanity. And also, how much how much do the rights cost? Because the rights probably are not cheap. Uh, the first Hobbit movie, which is closer in time, right, um, was one hundred eighty million, but for the entire trilogy, the budget the budget for the Hobbit trilogy was seven hundred forty five million. So for three whole movies, this TV series gets half of that budget. That's nuts. <laughs> now I definitely want to see it. Make sure it's good. There better be literal hobbits in it. Literal. <laughs> made made a machine to go to like just punch a hole through to alternate universes. <laughs> Grabbed a hobbit, brought his dainty ass back over, and be like, act now. <laughs> and then he just turned invisible and they lost him. And then, like, half the budget was just trying to find the hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost more hobbits that way, let me tell you. <laughs> Terrifying. And you hear this in your house, it's crazy. Hear, see, that's what it is. That When you hear that creak in your house, that's mm -hmm. not your house, darling. That's that hobbit that you lost. It's the lost hobbit. The lost hobbit. Oh, you know what? The guild decree. Okay. Guild decree. Say it all together there, uh, Baron. Guild decree. When you're in your house and you hear that little creak in your house, that's not your house settling. That's not a ghost. That is a lost hobbit trying to find his way home and he just happened to be going through your house. Guild decree. <laughs> I, am, I am making you write that down. Oh, I'm going to. It's going to be there. That's a, that's probably our silliest guild decree, but I, you know what? My whole heart is behind it right now. So uh, this is definitely has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. But have either of you heard of Forest Gully Farms? Yes. No. But because of you. Forest Gully Farms is in Tennessee, very near to where I live. And it is basically a recreation of the Shire. There are hobbit holes and different homes that you can rent and stay in, and you can have events there. And uh, Tiffany and I are hoping, when we reach our 20-year anniversary, that we will do a vow renewal at Forest Gully Farms. So I'm I'm very excited. How far? Even though we, we just hit 13th anniversary, so we got about seven years to go. Okay, that's fine. I know where I'm going on my next vacation when I can finally travel out of state again. Right? I kind of want to go down and run a D&D uh, &D game down there. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Right out of a hobbit hole. Yep. I'll do a one-shot. We could actually do the uh, Lord of the Rings role-playing game. Oh, yeah. I've heard good things about it, too. Good. It is good. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not as fantastic is like D D. It does I mean you know what I mean by that. Not like you know great, but I mean it's like it's weird that D D is more fantasy than Lord of the Rings. Right. You see yeah. So it, it's, it is weird. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I wanted to be understood there. Yeah. No, I hundred percent understand what you're saying and you're right. It is weird. Yeah. 
I wonder where they got all that from. Like all those fucking spells and man, they just went balls to the wall in that game. They're just like, we're going to do some goofy shit and there's going to be hobbits too. It's just been around for too long. Like you, you get, you stay around for that long and get that many people's hands in it. And like so many people have played it for so long. But even like first edition had some of those crazy wizard spells and stuff. Well, that was just because everybody wanted to be a crazy wizard. Uh, Gary Gygax has Mordenkainen, and like you know, he has his friend Bigby and Tasha, and you know, the, all those legendary D and D wizards was just Gary Gygax and his original party. And everybody wanted to be Gandalf, but they also wanted to do crazy ass spells. So they're like, "Hey, yeah, we're gonna write crazy ass spells." And you know what? And I'm gonna say this, and I'm actually kind of feeling bad that I wasted my uh, my. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be able to do it anyways. I kind of want to erase Elminster. Just get him out of here. He's he's dumb. I hate elements. Sorry, <laughs> not a fan. No, no, he's ridiculous. He's too and everything. Everybody from that little story is just way too powerful. Way too powerful. The final <laughs> world people way too powerful. Come on, doesn't even make sense. Why are they so strong? <laughs> well, you were just talking about how strong Gandalf and and the rest of his kind were. Yeah. So like, they, if that's what they were trying to be. But they dumbed themselves down. They were just like, oh, no, I'm not powerful and stuff. Oh, I can... And then I killed a Balrog. And oh, no, I'm not all that. <laughs> well, like the, Maiar were, the Maiar were created by the Ainur, who served right. Luvatar. So right. they're still not super powerful, but they, they can do a couple things. But Gandalf is powerful because the flame. He has the, the flame in his staff, that light. Uh-huh. The living flame is one of the things that he says when he's fighting the Balrog, and it's the flame imperishable, the light of Iluvatar. That's what makes him so strong, why he can come back from death. So he's just got a really awesome magic item. Basically. I do want to say this. If I was Aragorn, and I'm standing on the battlefield with Gandalf, and the fight wasn't over, I would seriously have to give him a stern look. (laughs) Because it's like, oh no, they have cave trolls. Really, Gandalf? Did you you think I forgot the Balrog thing? You came back from that. Buddy. You killed it. You killed it. You came back. I don't. You know what? I don't even know if you died. I only you know that you died. Did you die? I don't know. You killed it. You you found us. You changed your clothes. You came back. You killed a fucking Balrog, buddy. You're worried about a cave troll? We we need to have serious stuff. We can't hide that shit from me anymore. Is the Balrogs worse? The Balrogs were also servants of the flame. They were Maiar, mm-hmm. who were twisted by um, Melkor, who became Morgoth, to serve him. So they were also Maiar. So it's a pretty even battle between two Maiar. But put yourself in Aragorn's shoes. You fell down a hole with the Balrog, <laughs> and you're back, and you look better than And ever. you haven't resolved this yet. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's well, gotta step back. Yet. Somebody's <laughs> gotta lay back in that Legolas show off for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? That's another thing. Oh, Legolas. Can we talk about Legolas for a little bit? He's he, he's a Merkwood. Elf. Like him just running across the snow in the mountains. Cute, but he's a Merkwood elf, right? Yeah. I distinctly remember the Merkwood elves from The Hobbit. <laughs> When I saw Legolas in the movie, I'm like, this is not what I envisioned at all. <laughs> but no, they, 
they made them very different than they are in the books. Even Thranduil is very different than how he's described in The Hobbit. Yeah. But the guy that plays him in the movie is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Very much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and... <laughs> <laughs> Because I went from I went from just Legolas, and then I was like, oh, now I'm thinking of the Mirkwood Elves from the books, and then translate that into the into the uh, the movie Mirkwood Elves, and now I'm stuck on Evangeline Lily, and that garbage fire of a uh, <laughs> take us through the process, Baron. Rick, why does it why does it hurt so much? <laughs> Rick, it's because it was real. It's because it was real, Rick. I watched it with my eyes. <laughs> I saw it happen. You can't tell me it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't try to erase my truth. Oh, and that's another thing. I'm very upset with The Hobbit, the, the Hobbit movie, because they took away one of my favorite characters from the Almighty Johnsons. I know. It, I, I'm uh, okay. Anyways, Feely. Wait, Keely. Wait, which one was the blonde? I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're going with Feely. Anyways, Feely was on a TV show that I love to watch called The Almighty Johnsons. And when he was, it was so bad. When he was recording for The Hobbit, they took away his character from the show. But once in a while, he would do like a little drop in guest spot. But he'd be like, his character was traveling across the world doing stuff but one of the spots that showed him and he had a beard and everything i'm like these motherfuckers these motherfuckers <laughs> oh man good show though almighty johnson's great gave me one of my favorite words root it's fun uh, the only thing i absolutely hated about the hobbit films was the love story between tariel and I can't even remember whether it was Feely or Keely. Well, I said the blonde was Feely. Like I'm going to go with Keely. Don't look it up, Rick. Yeah. I'm not. I'm one, not. Of two, one of the twins. <laughs> oh, that, that's what I was talking that's... about. It's, oh my God. Evangeline Lilly is is the woman who played her. And it, oh. mm -hmm. like, I had no problem with her as an actress. I had no problem with that character. The character was great. It was just a female Legolas, really, if you want to boil it down. Yeah. But that whole storyline was just ridiculous. However, and, <laughs> the fabulousness that is Thranduil. I am, I, I am, I am definitely thirsting after a bunch of these dudes in these, in these movies. He's very sassy. Love it. The uh, my mom and I love the scene when he's talking to Thorn Oakenshield about fighting the dragons of the north, and his face changes. To show the burn marks and the, his blind eye, it's so cool. Yeah, that was one, very one cool. of my favorite effects in the movie. That was very cool. They didn't talk about it. I think that's what I liked about that. They didn't talk about it after. There was no really build up to it. It was just you see it, and everybody just assumes they know what's going on. Like the characters know what's going on, but they don't give us any kind of exposition for it. I'm okay with that. Nope. I'm okay. Obviously. Uh shit went down and you're not ready to talk about it i'll wait i will say about thorin oakenshield that yeah. uh when the hobbit movies came out the internet kind of blew up a little bit about his height that he was he was five two apparently the character mm -hmm. or the actor the character okay mm -hmm. 
He is very and tall. I have to say, I have to say, like I always, I've always fit, uh, other than the height, the build of a dwarf. I got the beard. I've got the hair. I've, I've got the, for lack of a better term, girth of a dwarf. I think Gimli would be proud. But I always thought I was way <laughs> too tall. And now you're telling me that if I just crouched a little bit, just a little bit, then I, I'm the height of a dwarf too? Hey, why not? <laughs> yep. From now on, any, any Renfair I go to, I'm, I'm, I'm just a dwarf. I'm not a man with a long beard. I, I am a dwarf. I'm just a tall dwarf. I'm just saying, Rick, if we drop down in the middle of a dwarven encampment or a dwarven city, we'd just be a little taller than everybody else. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess for me, one of the crazy things with their relationship is it honestly would never have worked because, no. well, elves and men are the children of Iluvatar. The dwarves were created by one of the Ainur, Aule, because mm -hmm. he was impatient for the children of Iluvatar to show up. And Luvatar was just really nice about it and was like, yeah, I'll let you keep them. You've already taught them language. You've given them their own personalities and identities, but they have to go take a nap until I'm ready for them. Nice. Um, and then from a storyteller's perspective, I honestly think that that romance between the two of them takes a lot away from the relationship of Gimli and Legolas. Now, yeah, I think it does. They try to make it, it seem like, oh, Legolas learned a little something from this, and that's the only reason why him and Gimli were friends. And it's like, yeah, but... Um. Well, and it, and it takes away from, at the end of the book, at the end of Return of the King, when Bilbo and Frodo have already gone to the Undying Lands, but one of the last, official last ships that leaves has Legolas and Gimli going to the Undying Lands together. Yeah. On the same yeah. ship. It's really very sweet. Just gross and gross. I love it. They have they end up having such a great relationship that just morphs throughout the whole books that is just kind of marred by having that in the Hobbit films, I think. Yeah. I mean, they they just tried to take way too much, I think. They tried to they tried to over explain things and it's like just let it be. You let the dude have a fucked up face and not explain that. Why do we have to explain all this other shit? Let it Why are you even bringing in an outside character that doesn't exist in the legendarium? Yeah, totally unnecessary. You know what? You know what even better? Okay, you know what? I get it. I get what they were trying to do, because they brought in Arwen, Arwen, who, you know, is mm -hmm. an established character, but in no way as involved as she was. Uh, mm -hmm. But they wanted that character back. They wanted that same kind of character in this to bring in, like, a, a female perspective. Because in no space, the Hobbit story is very dude-friendly. There's a lot of books in there. Lord of the Rings is just a whole bunch of guys trapped. Right, right. But but that's why they brought Arwen in. Is they they needed to put in like a love interest and like a female. Uh, I don't want to say perspective. Um, they wanted to add a little bit of romance to the adventure yes. by pulling in Arwen's storyline with her rom the romantic storyline of her, not just right. what you what the majority of the book she's not really shown as his as Aragorn's romantic interest. It's actually in the appendices that you hear their story. See, and they're they're cousins. Yeah, but you know, European centric. 
it's it's many generations. Elrond, at the end of the first age, him and his twin brother Elros were given a choice to either be human because they were half elves, or elven. Elrond chose to stay with the elves. Elros became the first king of the Numenor. Who down the line, Aragorn. So there's generations in between. There's a whole the whole second age and most of the third age between the two of them. But still, <laughs> the idea that there's some relation there is just a little weird. Because Isildur was his like great nephew, was Elrond's like great nephew or something. Oh European sense of nobility. <laughs> well hmm. I mean he they he would have had um his parents would have been um, Tolkien's parents were under the reign of Queen Victoria, who married her cousin. So yeah, she is the grandmother of European royalty, basically. So I guess that's a, a historic basis for the two of them. Yeah. Oh my God, how did we get started on this? Oh boy, that was like a whole bunch of things. <laughs> <laughs> I do love their story, though. Like that's. Or yeah. why why Arwen can make the choice to be human is mm -hmm. because she is partially human. Right. Yeah, I, I I like that. Yeah. But where was I? Okay, I think I was gonna so the fake relationships we got. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, and I think that it, it's been a really, really <laughs> thing I've noticed. A really common thing on the internet to really there's there's been a tendency to ship people. And Oh, yeah. And in shipping, apparently it always has to be some kind of romantic or sexual-based thing. And boy, people love to ship people in the Lord of the Rings. Um, but I will say this. I, I think that while I love the aspect of romance, I love the aspect of, of relationships and stuff like that, I really think that Lord of the Rings showcases something that we in the modern age have lost. And that is close, loving relationships between men. Men have turned love and relationships into something that is supposed to be sexual and any kind of relationship, close relationship with another, another man is to be looked down upon. At least, you know, it's getting better. Yeah. But I think we're... The, we are encroaching on the age of the bromance yes but that i think that's what i uh, in fact actually i think lord of the rings and the hobbit in general have actually influenced a lot of the ways i see friendships and how i am able to have close relationships with people and not be have it not be stigmatized and not worry about it being stigmatized it's easy nah, it's easier for me because i'm female mm -hmm. if i'm sitting next to another girl and we're leading on each other, no one cares. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, men aren't, again, well, again, again, when I'm when I was growing up, men aren't supposed to be tender. They're not supposed to be physical with their, with their dude friends at the very least. And if you're physical with a, with a female, then it's sexual. And it's like, why though? It's like, why can't I give my friends hugs? Why can't I, why, hell, why can't I sit on the couch and cuddle with a friend while we watch a movie and not have to worry about people thinking that we're going to get it on? I love that about Lord of the Rings. That they have those close, like Sam and Frodo. So close. I mean, 
they they mm -hmm. are beautifully close and I, I haven't seen any indication that they would have any kind of sexual undertone to what they were doing. Well, except for maybe in the movies. Got a little intense there for a little while. But uh, in, the, in the movies, it really depends on how you look at it. But it kind of just shows, it kind of just proves your point. Because a lot of people like do say that they see that in the movies. But it's just because that kind of relationship, if you have two men in that kind of relationship, people just automatically assume, oh, they must be gay and they must you know, have feelings for one another. But the fact that people say that about the movie just kind of proves your point. Right. And like, I, I always thought Bilbo, Frodo, completely asexual. I don't think they have a sexual bone in their body, literally. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, what? Bilbo grew up perfectly happy into his old age without mm -hmm. ever taking... Yeah, he never, he never married. Correct, yeah. And then Frodo, yeah, yeah, Frodo never married, right? Nope. No, he didn't. Right. That's why in the end, everything goes to the Sackville Bagginses. Oh, did it? Oh, I missed that. Oh, that makes me unreasonably angry. <laughs> <laughs> he finally got the spoons. Oh, I'd have burned that hole to the ground before the Sackville Bagginses got their hands on them. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Damn he it. leaves everything to them. <laughs> Oh, 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 this whole story has been ruined for me. I've never read another one. I'll watch the show too, but still, it's going to be tainted knowing that the stacks still packages have gone. Yeah, their hands on them. Oh, and he was so rich too. They got all that money. <laughs> If I he, left, he left a good part of it to Sam, Mary, oh, no, Pippin, no. all of them. But oh, the house and the things house. in it go to the Sackville Bagginses. They get peg end. I'm so a little salty about that, but I'm glad they didn't get all the shit. Oh, man. <laughs> well, for as many times you had to sneak the spoons out. Rick, I lost my cool there for a second. <laughs> I know. I think, I think I found that extra entertaining just because I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have given it to the proud. <laughs> I'd have given it to the proud feet before them fucking Saxville Baggins has got their hands on it. Oh, the proud feet are just as bad though. Yeah, I know, but but mm, they're not related mm. to them, so. But are they though? I mean, the Sackville Baggins. <laughs> it's the it's, it's a toss up as to whether the, the Sackville Bagginses are related to them. <laughs> oh. Uh, I just ruined everything for you. Maybe the Tooks. Give it to the Tooks. Come on, why? They're related. You don't have to give it to the yeah, They're both they're both Tooks and Brandy Box, so, so Yeah, but at least at least Bilbo is related to the Tooks. So he could be like, here I'm related to you. Take it. Not the Dragon. Yeah, and the and they're related to the Brandy Box. Are they? Oh yeah, well, Yeah. His mother was a Took. Bilbo's mother was a Took, and I think one of her parents was a Brandybuck. Mm -hmm. Just like Frodo's mother oh. was a Took. Right. Well, yeah, because Mary and Pippin are cousins? Mary and Pippin are cousins, and they're also related to Frodo through Mer blood and different connections. It's a little convoluted. Yeah. Like Peregrine, yeah. Pippin, Pippin is like his, his first cousin. Right. But Mary is his first cousin through marriage somehow. Right. But it's Pippin's cousin to what? Yes. Oh. 
They share a grandparent. But nerds. And pivot. But point being, the Saxville Bagginses should have never gotten bag in. Now they're the bag in Bagginses, and I don't like it. Well, they were the only Bagginses left. For those of you listening to the podcast, because Baron Bilbo is and Frodo don't have any children, so Frodo should have adopted them. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Don't cry, Baron. It'll be all right. I will find back end and I will burn it to the ground. <laughs> it's in New, Le- New Zealand somewhere, I'm sure. The Saxville Baggins is inside. <laughs> I will never call them the Bag End Bagginses. They are not. They will always be from Saxville, that dirty, rotten part of the Shire. <laughs> we're gonna a year from yeah, now when, when Baron can travel again, we're gonna see headlines of some hill in New Zealand burning. <laughs> oh, some art. And the podcast will be used as evidence. <laughs> oh, I need to take back my <laughs> I think I broke it. I have an unreasonable hatred of those little people. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, I didn't realize. I, like, that looks like a wound that was opened for you. <laughs> And then salt rubbed in it. They're basically the worst in-laws ever. Yeah. We just just scraped off a very deep scab. (laughs) Yeah, they're basically the worst in-laws ever. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. (laughs) You're still grumbling. (laughs) Like like a quarter of this podcast is going to be Saxville Baggins' hate. I would have found Bomber, and I would have given it to Bomber, his old dwarf ass. I don't care. <laughs> Fit in that hole. I, didn't. I apologize, dear listeners. Baron is now too grumpy to talk about anything else other than how much he hates the Saxville Bagginses. <laughs> I blame Tolkien. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. I'm gonna, I'm definitely probably gonna have to find some outlets to write out my hate of this. And <laughs> I will so here's... dump it in the toxic hole that is Tumblr. And, and, and... <laughs> so here's, here's an interesting question Gandalf the Gray tomorrow shows up at your door gone. and says, We have to go on an adventure. Not even waiting on the doors. I'm gone. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gone. Gone. Like, wait, Gandalf, Gandalf, wait. For the most part, everyone. For the most part, he has a good track record of everyone surviving. That's true. That's true. But I'd be like, Gandalf, wait. Are we fighting a dragon, or are we finding those dirty fucking sexual bodies <laughs> and lighting their toe hairs on fire? Is that what we're doing, Gandalf? <laughs> And then he just gives you a little wink behind his pipe, just like. Gandalf, <laughs> are you here to bequeath bag end to me? <laughs> I will clear that bitch out. Let me tell you. Uh, oh boy. Yeah, I mean, I 
I think that, you know, let's thinking about it in, the, in a fantasy light, you know, I don't have a child to worry about. I don't have responsibilities. I don't have a dog that's going to starve to death if I leave. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'd go in a heartbeat. Hell yeah. I, I wouldn't even ask him what we're doing. He's like, you want to go on an adventure? Yes. No. I'd love to go. Regular oh, life yeah. is a little boring at the moment. Oh yeah, take me, beer daddy. We're gonna do this. Let's do this. <laughs> and let's face it, Ian, Ian McKellen would love it if I called him that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he probably would. Now, my luck though, he would show up. He'd be like, "Do you want to go on an adventure?" Yes. Cool. I'm gonna get about twelve more of you, and then we're gonna go to the main character's house. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he picks up you and me. You're like, all right, two of my dozen dwarves. God, God damn. I'm the comedic relief, aren't I? Yeah. Fuck. All right. As long as I'm not the one who dies. Like, I'm not like That's the expendable really the one, am I? Like, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Bobber, which I think is cool that they kept him the comedic relief from. From the book straight into the movies. It's like, oh my gosh, yes. I actually, you know what? That's one of the few things I liked better in the movies was Bomber. <laughs> he got a little bit more screen time than he does book time. Yes, yes. And he's the... Oh, oh. <laughs> he, got, he got to see the face behind the sarcophagus. Oh, yeah. The scene where they're going down the river fighting the orcs and he's in the barrel. And what? he's rolling down the hill, and both arms pop out of the barrel with different weapons, and he just starts spinning like crazy. I, I will say that that whole scene was a little hard to swallow, but the bomber scene really made it for me. Like the whole <laughs> the whole going down the river in the barrels. Yeah, it's like ooh. they're dwarves. Do they even float? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they did only in the books, but it was nowhere. It's like they're just floating down the river in the books. Yeah, nothing exciting happens during that river trip. Which, which, I mean, my God, they could have cut down so much runtime if they were like, okay, get in the barrel. And then, like, fast forward to the end of the river. Oh, no, we're so sore and sick from being, like, oh, we could have just cut out 30 well, They had to have the fight because Kaylee had to get injured so Tariel oh. could heal him when they're in Dale, not Dale, um, Rivertown. <laughs> <laughs> Baron, this podcast is an audio form of media. Please stop giving us all the gold in the faces that you're making. That's Most of our audience is, all of our audience is completely missing out on it. <laughs> Who do I hate more? The sexual back or that <laughs> relationship? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, if I find out that she was actually a Saxville Baggins, I would never... <laughs> I would believe it. <laughs> because it was real, Rick. It was real. Oh. You saw it happen with your own eyes. <laughs> I get it. It'll be okay, big cat. It'll be okay. Oh, mm. oh where's Azark when you need him? Whew. Okay, I'm back. Right. If things happen, we're good. So we're talking about Ready Player One? <laughs> and all the way back around. Okay. <laughs> what do you think of how so anyway, in, in the Hobbit films? 
I didn't like it. And I can't give you a real reason why. I can't the Weasley guy I wasn't a fan of. I can't remember the character's name. I, I can't stand the Weasley. I liked Bard. I know who you're talking about though. Okay, cool. I liked Bard. The mayor was over the top and I could have done without him. <laughs> they really fuck with humans in this one, I think. Like they really it's like, oh, we have elves, we have dwarves. We really need to do something to make these humans stand out. It's like, no, you really don't. You really don't. That's not the point of the humans. The humans are fucking boring. Leave them the fuck alone. <laughs> it's like you make humans all, all crazy and outlandish. You're, you're losing the specialness of the elves and the, leave the humans alone. And I don't remember if the mayor and Weasley guy are even in the books. I don't think so either. Or they oh, might just be vaguely mentioned, but. Yeah, all I remember is Bard. I do like the character of Bard. Yeah, Bard was great. I, I mean, the whole. The whole crossbow thing, I, again, it's like you want to make these things all over the top, but then you're going to give him a fucking crossbow. It's like, no, this motherfucker shot out of a bow. He shot that arrow out of a It wasn't even a special arrow, was it? It was just a regular arrow. I mean, I it was remember. a special bow. I think it was like a bow that was handed down through the family, but I don't remember. Hmm. No, I think it was just an amazing shot. Yes. It, yeah, I know I know that. It, was, it boiled down to him being an amazing shot. Because, yeah, I mean, the whole point was is that that dragon had one weak spot. So to turn that into, like, a special fucking arrow, it's like, okay, you're, you're like, missing the entire point now. Missing the entire point. Yeah. And then even then, wasn't it, like, it wasn't even, like, a weak spot. It's like someone ripped apart off or some shit like that. Yeah, it was right. the missing um, scale. In, yeah, in the years when Smaug first came, the Lord of Dale, who was Bard's great-great-grandfather... Use the dwarves windlance, according to them, the movie. Right. Using uh, the black arrow to somehow manage to knock off one scale. How's that even work? How do you knock off one scale without actually penetrating flesh? Mm. I mean, stranger things have happened, I'm sure. But you'd have to be very specific with your grazing blow. And, yeah, but the, I mean, okay. The crossbow made for some amazing, like, cinematography. It, it had great camera shots and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I guess I could see it. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want him to be like, oh, he has a bow and he's shooting like an elf. Everybody's going to think he's an elf. I hate it when studio execs think that we are the stupidest fucking people watching these movies. Yes, so because they, only yeah. elves can use bows. Right. Because they would do some shit like that, wouldn't they? They're like, oh, we can't use a bow. Elves use bows. I was like, can you hear yourself right now? El uh, just burn the movie. <laughs> burn it all down. Throw it in the bag again. I know you just I know you just spent all this money on Ben Diddley Cucumber, but we can just <laughs> throw it all away. Just throw it all away. Look, a quarter of that movie's budget was spent turning Benedict Cumberpatch into a dragon. Half of the budget was spent convincing him to turn back after they were done. That's, that's fair. <laughs> Smaug is one of my favorite villains, honestly. I mean, in the books, he was amazing. I would, I know that he has to have some kind of backstory somewhere. Oh Maybe. yeah, it'd be great to have his backstory. Why did he go to the Lonely Mountain other than wanting the Arkenstone? There had to be something else because most of the. Most of the fire drakes came from nor the north near Angband. And, and I know that. So why did he go all that way? 
And I know this is a horrible segue, and I know we just started talking about Scout, but you just brought up. Can we talk about how fucking massive the dragons are in Lord of the Rings? Or in that in that world? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, they're huge. There's um, there's one in the Cimmerillion that he's uh, like an ice dragon. He's a white terra dragon, so he's earthbound. He doesn't have wings. And he fights the dwarves, dwarves and man. And he's really scary, honestly, because he just tears through them. Yeah, there, there's like, you're just reading some of the descriptions of the dragons and these stories, it's like, there's no conceivable way that you won this fight. <laughs> like, no way. No way. The only way that you won is there There have been some fucking wizard action, some actual godly intervention. They're, it's a huge. Like, yeah, they're, they're pretty... Even the one in Cimmerillion that the juvenile that comes down from Angband into Middle Earth and fights the elves, even he's a massive creature and he's young. Yeah, it's like it's just reading about some of those dragons and then reading about Smaug, it's like, was he a baby? I mean, I get that he's big, but I mean, he's nowhere near as big as some of these dragons that they were fucking explaining in these books. Oh, yeah, the, the, the truly ancient ones. Yeah. That's what it was. It's now, he wasn't there for any other reason. He was basically a baby in comparison to some of them. He threw a fucking tantrum. That's what it was. Well, if you ask me, I mean, like, uh, once again, I don't know a whole lot about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> he had, to go, he had so, to go find some gold to curl up on. Right. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about Lord of the Rings, but I do know a lot about Dungeons & Dragons, especially when it comes to chromatic dragons. I only have a red dragon tattooed mm -hmm. on my mm -hmm. entire forearm. Okay? Mm -hmm. The thing about a red dragon... Um, and it's arguable that the red dragons are 100% their inspiration of their entire personality is taken from Smaug. Right. Um, oh, yeah. If you are a player character who owns a magic item that is rare enough and powerful enough to have a name, there is a red dragon somewhere who knows your name. And you just have to hope that that red dragon doesn't get bored enough to come find you because you have something that it wants. Oh yeah, they hoard everything. So that's all it takes for a red dragon to go somewhere is you have something, it wants that thing, it's coming to get it. Well, that was so, the, that was the explanation for Smaug was he was after yeah. Arkenstone. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I think that's one of the if, if, if Smaug is anything like a red dragon from D and D, then that's all the explanation that's needed yeah. is there was something there that he wanted. Well, well, like um, if you go back to Beowulf. The, the green dragoness it will fight at the end of the epic poem is a green dragon i know in dnd &D, green dragons are mm -hmm. poisonous mm -hmm. again again beowulf huge influence on dnd &D, but also a huge influence on you know tolkien too yeah there's oh my god oh yeah that's how he'd start his class was he would read that in the original anglo-saxon I actually, and it's I actually, the basis for a lot of the language that he uses in the books. I have I have his translation of Beowulf. Oh, I have been trying to find it everywhere. Amazon. It's so hard to find. Amazon. I think really? they did. Yeah. It's paperback. Nice. It's not bad. I have a copy. I have a copy of a translation here, but it's not all that great. Yeah, get the whole thing. You have Beowulf quick. Um I'm sorry? I don't think I've read the whole thing through, but I've read excerpts and what the excerpts I've read, uh, yeah, I do really enjoy. See, I read. I, I watched the Mud Show, and that was that was all I needed. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you were 
you were actually gonna take me to that mud show, but I think we missed it. Yeah, we did. We were, yeah, yeah, like we got there just after it was over because uh -huh. we misunderstood the scheduling. Yeah, which was really easy to do because I was, you know, on zero sleep. So yeah, <laughs> and I have no idea what y'all are talking about. Well, so if you're, well, I don't know if every Ren Fair that does it, but my local, I say local, uh, our Ren Fair has a thing called a mud show. And it's, it's three guys that are dressed up like, you know, medieval peasants, and they're doing play. But the where they're doing the play is just a big mud pit. So they'll do the play, and then they'll, like, fall down in the mud, and they'll throw mud. And, like, like the big thing that they do in the beginning is they take this big glop of mud, throw it, and it hits the mud, and then they count how far back the mud droplets went, and then they're like, it's an eight-row show! <laughs> but, uh, one of the ones they do. I don't, they, that is not something they do with the Maryland Renaissance. Well, I mean, consider... The Maryland Renaissance Fair is a very clean Renaissance Fair, comparatively about, to the Renaissance Fairs I've been to. I was about to say, if... Yes. If Maryland probably Agreed. Their, they probably take their shit way too seriously. Oh, yes. Well, oh, yes. they set it in a specific year each year of King Henry's reign. Every year is a different year. Oh, okay. And they I... go based on whatever year, whatever year it is, whether Catherine is still queen or the year that I went, um, he's just started his courtship with Anne Boleyn or they're just getting, re they're getting ready to get married. Yeah, they, their stuff is serious. <laughs> it's a lot of fun though. It's a really great yeah, they're very clean. They're very clean. I would like to get to some more around the country. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a few there's a few that I want to go to. Um, Ten Tennessee's isn't great, but one thing I will give it is there's an actual castle. Oh, nice. Because the the whole reason there is a Tennessee Renaissance Fair is because there's a guy and he married a woman and her one wish was to live in a castle, so he built her a castle. And on the grounds they hold uh, the grounds that, that he owns is where they hold the Tennessee Renaissance Fair. Nice. Yeah, the closest I've gotten to a Renaissance Fair recently is the SCA, so. Oh, man, I'm going to have to talk to my friend Stuart again. There's a online Renaissance Fair. Wow. Uh, yeah, I, I will get the information to both of you. Oh, yeah, definitely, please. And actually, hopefully, That's... hopefully I'll get the information before we post this so we can put it in the description. Link um, in the description. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. Apparently, you can. Um, it, it's almost like a video game where you can like kind of walk around, go into different booths, and like when you go into the booth, there's an actual like you can watch a performance by somebody there, or like if you go to one of the vendor shops, you can visit their online shop and buy stuff. I was like, that sounds. And I I haven't been there. He told me about it. And I didn't go. So it could all be just kind of hearsay, but I mean. He's performed on. He's performed on. So that's super neat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. So yeah, once I get that information, I'll get it to you guys. We'll put it. We'll put a link in the description. Definitely. Um, I know this is way past um, Lord of the Rings, but again, I'm a big supporter of artists and performers, especially on the small scale. So if I can help them out, then by all means, I'm going to. Oh yeah. It certainly sounds interesting. Not to mention the the Venn diagram between Lord of the Rings fans and people who like to go to Ren Fairs. It's practically a circle. Right, right. Yeah, agreed. 
I saw more Goldberry cosplays when I went than I than anything else. And Hobbits. And never... Hobbits and elves seem to be the most popular. I, I've never seen a Goldberry cosplay. I've actually seen more Tom Bombadil uh, I, cosplays. I I saw a couple Tom Bombadil, uh, but I saw a lot of blondes and green dresses I was about everywhere. To... I was about to say, maybe I have seen Goldberry cosplays, but I didn't know they were cosplays. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. No, I've... So, I've I'll, actually... That's for a lot of the men, fair, just an excuse for, for to get drunk and dress in the prettiest dress you can find. Oh, so... Man. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's basically it. I got... I got so drunk at the... Unless it's pouring rain, and then you're all just tromping around in your boots and mud. I didn't mean to. Yeah. The cleanest tea just hit me so It was real. It was real. Saw it with your own eyes. I want to have someone drive home. I don't know what they were. No, I'm kidding. It came out. Still, as well. I need to go back for more. I will. Yeah. I will. I will go back to the Ren Fair. You know, kid free and um, make a fool out of myself. The crisis has not been kind to any of us this past no. year. No. 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 The Tennessee Ren Fair is actually open again this year. Yeah, I think they're opening the Maryland one. I don't know about the one here in Virginia. The Ohio one. There's one in Virginia? Yeah, that's where I live. No, I mean, but... There's one, I think, in Richmond? It's small. Oh, Richmond. Okay. I, I don't know why my brain went straight to Hampton Roads. I mean, I do know why, but... Yeah. But I also know that there are more places than just Hampton Road, so I don't know why I just restricted it to that. I can see a nice one happening in Richmond. Baron and I met in Virginia, like uh, near the Navy base. So, you know, Hampton Roads area. So that the, you say Virginia and both of us, that's immediately <laughs> where our mind goes. Yeah. Well, I, I get that. No, I'm a little bit further south. I'm actually closer to Tennessee. You're, you're north of Hampton Roads. I'm on the way, way west side of Virginia. Are you in the city park or are you in the country park? I'm in Lynchburg. I'm in the mountains. I'm in the Blue Ridge. (laughs) I said it. Just as you said, I was like, or the mountain park. (laughs) I'm the state of like eight different biomes. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. (laughs) Now you mentioned Tom Bombadil and... Every time I think of him, I can all, all I can ever think about is when he rescues the hobbits from um, is it uh, is he an oak? The oak tree? The willow tree? Yes, old man Will that tries to eat them. Mm-hmm. And then from the barrow wit, which gave always gave me nightmares. It, no, it it messed up a lot of people that I talked to. Yeah, it's it's freaky. Like that's a little bit on the horror side with the bar- mm-hmm. barrow wit. Yep. Um, Tolkien knew how to balance some fantasy and some horror. Well, I mean, to be fair, too, though, I mean, you know, with his use of folklore and stuff like that, there is plenty of horror in folklore. Oh, yeah. That, that's oh, half, yeah. That's half, if not 75% of folklore. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Oof. The original Grimm's fairy tales are dark. And they were even taking it easy. Oh, yeah. They toned it down a lot. But yeah, some of those stories, yeah, they were horror stories in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. But I, I know quite a few people who uh, got nightmares from the giant spiders and things like that. Oh, yeah. You know, Ooh. 
that was a good translation, I think, from book to movie, the spider scene. Oh, yeah. Because I think the spiders even talked. Shalom, she kind no. of talks, but not no, really. Not, not like Angoliant does in Cimmerillion, but still. I'm talking about in The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, they do talk when he has the ring. He can he he can understand them through the ring because they're speaking um, the language of Mordor, I think. In, well, in the... Is that not in the book too? Um, I thought the I know it isn't. Um, regardless, regardless, it's cool that you got to see that in the movie too. I, I don't know. I'm a sucker for talking animals. I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it doesn't surprise me that he's got talking creatures at some point. He's got everything it's, else thrown in there. Talking, talking, and walking trees. Yeah, everything talks and walks in, in that world. I love Treebeard. He's one of my favorite characters, too. And everybody forgets that his real name is Fangorn. The forest is his. Fangorn's forest. Mm-hmm. He, I've got to love Tolkien and his, and his dual naming system. Well, his true name would take several hours to say in Entish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> true. Because everything worth saying in Old Entish is worth saying slowly. Oh, what a good choice to have uh, John Rhys-Davies do his voice, too. Oh, yeah. That was... When I realized who it was, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Is he, he had the perfect voice for it. He's just, he's just an amazing actor, and I wish that he could do more stuff. Like, probably literally my favorite part of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was, was oh! <laughs> also, very few very yeah. few people know this, he was the first on-screen kingpin from Marvel Comics. Really? I did not know that. He looked hmm. terrible. Don't often see him as a villain. No, no. He was, it was in the uh, Incredible Hulk, one of the Incredible Hulk movies with Lou Ferrigno, and Daredevil was a special guest star, and um, the Kingpin was in there. It was a mess. Don't watch it. <laughs> Everything from back then was a mess when it comes to Marvel. But people loved it so much. Loved it. They didn't oh know God. any better. Oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember going to see Daredevil in theaters. And I look back and it's like, it was so bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really bad. They really made up for it, though. They really made up for it, though, with the uh, TV show. The Netflix uh, series. Oh, my God. It's so good. So yeah. good. I, I hope if if nobody else comes out of those shows, I hope they bring the guy that played Kingpin. Oh, man. His name? I don't know the name. I don't know the name. Anyway. But, yeah. but you're right. You're right. If I mean, like, he, anybody, he was fantastic. Oh my god, he was perfect. 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 But anyways. So tell us something else we don't know about the Cimmerillion, because that's obviously uh, where the gaps in both of our knowledge lie. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you guys know that it's it's basically the creation story of Arda, Middle Earth. Yes, we know but it's a- it goes into <laughs> when the the elves go, but Thanor, who's the creator of the Silmarils, he That's he is a villain, book. just as much as Morgoth is, because Morgoth steals the Silmarils, and Thanor just goes off the deep end, and that's one of the biggest chunks of the book, is him just going off the deep end, he blames the Einor for everything, even though it was his own mistakes and his own jealousy that kept him from fixing the trees that Morgoth had destroyed, that had given light to Arda, and he makes this vow, him and his sons, to destroy anyone that stands in their way. 
and it results in one of the worst massacres in the history of the Eldar where they just kill all the Tellery for the ships and they take their ships and sail across the sea, the western sea and then burn them! They have a barbecue on the beach! Oh, And it's just oh. Feanor just basically burning oh, everything in, the path, in his path to get the Cimarils back and then he dies before he gets them back. And that's that's where Baron comes in. I do Baron not. And, <laughs> Baron and Luthien. That's where he comes in. He can he gets the Cimarils back, but he also dies. But he he comes back as well with oh. Luthien. Oh. But he one of the th- reasons he can come back is one, the Cimarils, but two, he has to make a promise to never speak to mortal man again. And it's it go, it's, goes through a lot of the history, like the, the founding of Gondolin, the fall of Gondolin, that, you, that are kind of uh, developed more in the books that Christopher Tolkien published, like the fall of Gondolin, the story of Baron and Luthien. It, it's a lot of short stories kind of compiled together until... Christopher Tolkien fleshed them out using um, History of Middle-Earth. Christopher Tolkien, he's done so much for... Oh, gosh. He, he, he really has. Bring, he brought his father's legacy back to the forefront of literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for him, we definitely wouldn't have gotten any movies. Oh, no. No, he, he was the one that got them to agree to release the rights for the movies but they had to be done a certain way and he had some say in how the movies were done but I don't think even he was happy with the final product of the films uh, I mean probably not I mean I can definitely see where he might have well, I mean if it was my dad's work and um, you know, something that I was overseeing to keep his legacy alive and, and to keep it, what, what, what he wanted to showcase and stuff like that to see what happened with it from his perspective, I can see how he wouldn't be happy. Well, one of the neat things is he he goes into a little bit more of it in History of Middle-Earth. He talks about why uh, his father started writing the stories down because it started as a story that he was telling Christopher at night, Mm -hmm. but little details would change like the color of Bilbo's front door, whether it was green or yellow or how many dwarves there were. And he eventually was like, screw it, I'm going to have to write this all down. And you ended up with The Hobbit. Yeah. That, that was and, always, I think that, that was another thing that made me really enjoy The Hobbit was that fact. Just knowing that it started out as a bedtime story. It's like, oh, yeah. It was a children's tale. And that's why, that's why Lord of the Rings almost didn't get published. Because they wanted that fit more with The Hobbit-style story. But he didn't have that in him to do that again. That was like a one-off type deal. And he ended up eventually publishing Lord of the Rings and reading through like Lord of the Rings, Cimmerillion, The Unfinished Tales. You can really see where he pulls in his experiences in World War One into the books. Mm-hmm. Like the, Bar- the Barrowit is definitely a big thing where he was severely injured. He lost a very dear friend in the trenches and he ended up with trench fever and was really sick. And that mirrors a lot like what happens with Bilbo in the the Barrows without losing the friend, of course. 
that's amazing to know that that that's where it kind of all comes from yeah yeah the the just the horrors of trench warfare in world war one is is this story is what it became mm -hmm. and it takes real and talent to take an experience like that and to turn it into something that creative um you know there are plenty of people who write down their experiences and you can find plenty of of stories and even quote unquote historical fiction where somebody takes their experiences and more or less translates it directly but to take it and turn it into this high fantasy experience that that takes some real skill on tolkien's part not to say that i mean obviously we aren't just now finding out the man is talented but i mean it just speaks mm -hmm. more for, toward his talent well one of the other things that inspired him was when he met his wife they were out walking in the woods and they came across an open field and she walked out and was standing it and he said the light hit her just the right way and that's what inspired the story of Baron and Luthien. That's why his headstone says it has his name and then Baron and Luthien underneath. She was a lot of the inspiration for uh, the romance in the in the novels. Yeah, that, the, uh, ooh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the movie that they did about Tolkien. Yeah, talking. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. God, I forget. Anyways. Yeah, that was a that was a that was a good movie. I, I liked that movie. They uh, they did a great job with bringing his story to life. They yeah. they really did bringing it to current audiences because a lot of people just don't know his story. Right. Yeah. They don't, yeah. I don't think a lot of people understand just how intelligent that man was. Well, <laughs> what was it? He spoke like eight languages, but his one hangup was that he had a hard time learning Finnish. <laughs> But yeah, eight languages. How many of them did he invent? Um, oh, goodness. There's four in Lord of the Rings alone. Maybe five, at least. <laughs> plus the plus the language, the eight languages he spoke, I think, that are actual languages. Mm -hmm. But he was a philologist, so. Hey, hey, hey. There's children watching. <laughs> I shudder to think that there might be children watching this. <laughs> We've got children on the podcast. <laughs> Touche. Of course, then again, she just um, she just played Monster Prom, so I, I mean, I guess that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like that. I like that that movie exists. I, I think that it still didn't get a lot of press. It didn't. I don't think a lot of people, people like no. oh, saw it. Oh yeah, I've watched it a couple times. Yeah. Well, there's... I didn't even know it existed, so. Oh, you need to watch it. It's really good. But there, there's I'm a. Um, it up now. There's a funny story from his childhood. He wrote a story for his mother that he took to her, and she read it through and looked at him and said, "You can't call it a green great dragon because that's not how the English language works. It has to be great green dragon. That's just how we say it." And he didn't write anything again until he understood why. We said things that way. Why our grammar is the way it is. Oh, oh man. That's, that's like a whole other bag of cats right there. Good Lord. <laughs> our grammar. Well, it was the start of a legacy that's soon to be almost a that in, what, 16 years will be 100 years old. Jeez, mm -hmm. 100 years old. Yeah, Hobbit came out in 1937. Yeah. That's when Bucky Barnes read it. That's the reason I remember it. <laughs> oh, man. 
You think oh. another hundred years they'll still be talking about Lord of the Rings? Are they still talking about Shakespeare? Oh my Fair. God. I just realized Gandalf the White was a sorcerer. Yeah. Explain. <gasps> sorcerer is just a wizard without a hat. Oh, stop. I hate that line. Oh, God, you have no idea. I had to look. <laughs> Tiffany and I were watching that. I literally had to stop and pause the show at that point. And I was like, no, no, Tiffany, no. <laughs> because I've played so many sorcerers in Dungeons and Dragons, so many sorcerers. And, like, I can't tell you how many times other characters I've been playing with have called me a wizard. And I've gone, no, not a wizard. I'm a sorcerer. And they go, what's the difference? And then I go into, like, a half-hour-long explanation on why a sorcerer is different from a wizard. It's not just the hat. <laughs> Saruman was a sorcerer, too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you're saying... Radagast was a wizard, but he was a shitty wizard. <laughs> I love Radagast. No, no I meant literally. He had shit on him. Yeah, like literally. True. <laughs> True. So you're saying Gandalf the Grey is a wizard and Gandalf the White is a sorcerer? Is that what you're... That's what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, don't argue with Captain America. We all do that around here. You're right. <laughs> Wait, which Captain them. America am I not arguing with? There's three now. Any of them. Captain you America. can argue with John Walker, but like other than that. <laughs> yeah, Only if I can punch him in the face. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> not Walker, not the actor. Nothing's wrong with that actor. He's an amazing actor. For us, oh, the yes. actor is phenomenal. For the us, character, I the character so much, he's an amazing actor. The, yes. the character, the character of John Walker. Mm -mm. <laughs> I gotta say, and like I might get crucified for this, but uh, I kind of felt sorry for John Walker. By the end of it, like the whole thing was, he was raised by a military industrial complex to be and act a certain way. And when they gave him the shield and he was and acted that way, they then stripped him of everything he ever had. And it's like he that that kind of speech is the end at the end where he was like, I just did what you taught me to do this whole time you trained me to be this way i just did what you told me to do i was just being a good soldier I'm and it's like this before we get too deep into the, the the feelings and and the story behind that scene in particular yeah it, it is very much touching on subjects that were very relevant last year yes. and are still relevant to this day that's true yeah and while, while I can see what you're saying... Yeah. Now, be, I'm not saying his actions are justified. I'm not saying he's a good person. Gotcha. Just saying... I still think he just got a slap on the wrist. Just saying I felt pity for the man, is all. Like, okay. not saying... You can feel pity for him, but he still just got a slap on the wrist. He got, yes. brainwashed. He got brainwashed into what he was. Right. Yep. Yeah. Like, just say, like, I'm not saying his yeah. actions are justified, not saying that makes him a good person, not saying any of that kind of stuff, because man's a monster at the end of the day. Um, but being a veteran and having been rung through that same military-industrial complex, there we go. like, I did feel some pity for the man. I just, I just kind of wanted to clarify the conversation so that Thank our listeners that was could... Necessary. 
Yeah. Yes. I just wanted to be very clear that his actions were completely not justified. And right. Yeah. So, but I mean, one could also make the argument that that super soldier serum amplified those deep seated emotions that he had too. And so, yeah, I, I can definitely see that we are also not talking about Lord of the Rings right now, but. <laughs> The guilt, the guilt reminded us. It's like it's time for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of which, I mean, it's about that time, Baron. If you want to, oh, and throw Baron, a bow on. I have to apologize. I went back into my copy yeah. of Lord of the Rings just to uh -huh. double check. It bag end goes to Sam. I'm sorry. I put you through all that. <laughs> it goes to Sam. Oh, oh I double checked. God. I. You know what? You know what? I mean, again, you can't see what's going on uh, on the podcast, but it literally, this feeling of relief just washed over me. Like, you ever had like a big bad brain freeze, and then all of a sudden it just kind of melts. You get that feeling of relief all through your body. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even. Now mad you can it. sleep peacefully. Oh, it, it's it's like ASMR. You saying. You know what? I'm going to need to record that part of the podcast. Her saying, <laughs> bag in goes to Sam. It just yeah, I, ASMR. I double, I'm, I double checked. I'm going to have that all repeat, and I'm going to go to sleep to it. it oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched years, like, melt <laughs> off of your face. Like, oh. you, you aged, like, ten years as soon as, like, you heard of the Saxville Baggins has got bag in, and like now, like those ten years just fell off of your face. Oh, so, oh, oh those hobbits don't happen. To <laughs> Something happens to them at the end. I don't remember what it is, but I hope it was suitably awful. No, yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. Wow, but <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what though, I think we got a good hour and a half of uh, great content <laughs> of me reacting to that though. That's <laughs> Oh, the diatribe was phenomenal. The true villains of Lord of the Rings, the Sackville Bagginses. Oh my, you know what? That's who let, that's who let fucking Sharkface or whatever he called himself when he got in there. That's who let, let Saruman into the Shires, the Sackville Bagginses. Because he was like, you know what? If you let me in, I'll give you bag end. And they're like, okay. I'm like saying that like there's a big wall around the Shire, but there's not. I <laughs> What was his name? Sharktooth or Sharky or it was Shark something. How did the hobbits even know? It was, it was Sharky. It was Sharky. How did the hobbits even know what a fucking shark is? Why did he come in there and name himself Sharky? What a fucking Tolkien? I reprimand you for that fucking name. <laughs> Should have been like Badgery or something. I bet the hobbits hate badgers. Oh wait a minute. Oh no. There is a little note here in chapter nine of it's the Grey Havens. They had him for a little bit until Lotho was killed, and then she gave it back to Frodo. So she did. Live, they did live in Bag End for a while. Oh well, they did the same thing when they did the same thing when um, Bilbo left too. Didn't they live in there for a little while when he left? Um, it was they were auctioning it off, but I don't think they actually lived in it. I think. Fucking did it. I think at the start of the book he gives it to them. Something along those lines. Wait, wait. So the Saxville Baggins just gives it back to Frodo? Yeah, like after um, after Lotho was killed, Lobelia goes back to her family. Shit. It wasn't even theirs. Oh, we're going to give it back to Frodo. It's not yours, you bitch. <laughs> 
I think he sells it to them before he leaves. Oh. Strap in, people. It's another three hours of Saxville Baggins' estate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. He in, um, chapter 3, Three's Company, he sells it to them because he's leaving the Shire and he's trying to make it look like he's truly just moving. And then when he comes back, she gives it back to him because Lotho was killed. But he was a jerk anyway, so. Mm. What goes around comes around, I assume. Was he killed in the invasion of Sharkface? Uh, I think Sharky was one of the men killed. Shark boy? <laughs> oh no, um, Wormtongue is the one that gets Sharky and the other men. Right. Well, I mean, in, who, killed, in the, from, who, who, uh, killed, who killed my buddy, Mr. Saxel Baggins? Your buddy. Please say random orc. Don't give him the uh, rest being killed by somebody important. No, no, no. He fell down the steps of Bag End. No, wait, 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 wait. He was carried off by a falcon. Any of those will be fine. <laughs> well, I don't think there's any orcs in the Shire. Oh, well, I mean, there were... Wait. Aren't No, I think they're just humans with Bill Fernie and Wormtongue. Mm. Oh, wait, 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 wait. A dog carried him off. Even better. Uh, I think he's a little too fat for that. Oof. <laughs> I will say there is a Lord of the Rings video game. I wish I could remember the title of it. Um, but if you've ever played Star Wars Battlefront, it's very similar, except it's Lord of the Rings. Oh. And you play through the story of Lord of the Rings, and then if you keep playing the story mode, like like basically you go from the Shire to Mount Doom, and like if you play the if you keep playing the story mode, then you play as the village and you go backwards. You go from Mount Doom all the way to the Shire. And there's a trophy you can earn called Stupid Hobbitses for killing 300 hobbits. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And one of my experiences with Lord of the Rings is there's a friend of mine who the first day I ever hung out with him, I was like, he invited me over his place and he, was, he handed me an Xbox controller. And he's like, sit down. You're not leaving until I have this trophy. Because he just found out about the trophy's name. He was just like, stupid hobbits is. And he was like, I have to have this on my gamer tag. So we played through that entire game twice. Once as the heroes, we could unlock the villains run. And then again, the villains just run through and kill 300 hobbits. Are there even 300 hobbits in the Shire? I mean... But they just keep spawning. Oh. And, uh... I did most of it as a Balrog. Most of the Hobbit killing. Seriously? <laughs> yes. I was oh, a Balrog stomping through the fire, just killing Hobbits. Well, you literally just catch everything on fire. Yep. <laughs> oh, Baron, it was Grimma Wormtongue that stabs Lotho and kills him. It killed him in his sleep. Oh! I don't know if that's good. <laughs> I don't think, no, he didn't deserve to be killed by a named character. Nope. 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 <laughs> even if it wasn't his sleep. Yep. Even if it wasn't his sleep. You know what? <laughs> he died of sleep apnea. <laughs> here, here, Baron, I'll give you this one because I haven't used my guild decree. Guild decree, he died of sleep apnea. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> there you go. Well, and here's the kicker. Guess who tells them that Wormtongue is the one that killed him? Saruman is the one that tells them that Grimma, he says, killed their chief. Oh, shut the fuck up! He was the chief? 
at that point in time, <laughs> I guess they thought he was the one in power. He was the sheriff of the town. I guess oh. they called him the chief. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> All right, Baron, I know you're reeling. Let's go ahead and put, put a bow on this thing. <laughs> I think I broke Baron again. <laughs> you did. Well, thank you for joining us for the most frivolous use of uh, guild decrees ever in the history of, of Captain Guild. Oh, come um, on. I called Big Bird a kaiju before. <laughs> yeah, but that was important. But you shouldn't have even had a guild decree. You couldn't argue that anyway. It's a kaiju. Come on. Yes. That's, that's a kaiju. Come on. It is a kaiju. I mean, like, I made it a kill decree for a reason. It's it's so hopefully this 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 podcast, this episode in particular has inspired you to go out and immerse yourself in some more Tolkien, get yourself ready for the TV show coming out, maybe go out and play the game workshop miniatures game. That is actually a lot of fun. Um hopefully, you know, anybody not looking at anybody in particular. We'll actually read some more of the books and uh, and, and have a good time reading it, please. And um, and and just remember, we here at Casters Guild love all hobbits because we are we are all hobbits. All right, Mary. If uh, anybody liked what you had to say and they want to find you anywhere on the internet, is there any way they could anywhere they can do that? Um, I've got Facebook. I'm not hard to find, but best would be like Instagram. I'm Bingle underscore 25, like Bing and Google combined. Nice. nice. All right, waiting. everybody. I'm still waiting for our one guest to be like, nope. Nope. <laughs> we have had that. It has happened. Oh, yeah. No. I'm sorry, guest. I forgot all about. <laughs> all right. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Casters Guild. You can uh, find us on YouTube and Twitch and all the socials. Uh, email us at castersguild at gmail.com with your thoughts about the Saxville Bagginses. <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you in the next one. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. 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 bye.